Okay, morning everybody, how are you doing? Morning, morning, thank you. <laughs> uh, some of you may have gathered, I'm not Simon Mayer. Uh, um, Simon, unfortunately, uh, couldn't be with us today. So uh, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time and got, got roped into to chairing this morning's session. So uh, just a few kind of housekeeping announcements first. Uh, catering areas and coffee detail points within Hall 5, as you might have seen already. Could you please make sure that you turn off your mobile phones or, or put them on silent? Uh, if the fire alarm sounds, uh, make your way to the nearest exits. You can run behind me. Um, Lord Provost Drinks Reception is uh, at the main stage area between 5 and 6 tonight, if anyone would like to come to that. Uh, and finally, if you're going to the awards dinner this evening, it starts at 7 o'clock. Um, so any, any uh, questions, and there's plenty of people around. So, uh, just first of all, a few comments from, from Simon uh, in his absence. Uh, just a little bit of a kind of introduction, and then I'll introduce you to the three speakers that we've got. Um, so first of all, I think it's fantastic to see such an interest in, in early learning uh, projects. As you can see, there's a lovely display at the back there. I would invite you to have a look at that. Uh, and it really does show how diverse and interesting the, the overall early years landscape uh, is. Um, the, the child care provision, as, as many of you know, uh, was extended to 11.40 hours. And that became statutory in August. And I think it's worth thanking a lot of the people involved in that, local authorities, consultants, contractors. It's been a huge effort over the past couple of years. Uh, and it's really going to make an enormous difference, I think, to, to the lives of lots of children uh, in Scotland, lots of families, particularly those you know, who have more challenging circumstances. So that, that change has kind of led to, there's enormous change uh, through the expansion in recent years. Uh, children's experiences are changing, and we've all had to think about what that impacts on the, uh, on the facilities that we create. There's been £476 million worth of investment in the early years programme. That's about 900 projects, including 160 new builds. Uh, now, all of those have responded for the need to expand provision but they've all done it in a sort of different way, um, you know, meeting aspirations and the guidance of uh, space to grow and so on. And I think you'll see today there's a real range of different solutions to that, which is, which is terrific. So basically in this session, what we want to do is take three examples and talk you through uh, what some of these solutions have been, um, you know, how people have thought about it, what they've designed. And we've invited three local authorities to do that, just to give you a kind of snapshot of the huge diversity and range of interesting projects that have been done. So we've got East Ayrshire Council, North Lanarkshire Council, and East Bartonshire Council. The first presentation is going to be from East Ayrshire. So we've got uh, Simon Bell, who's the strategic lead of, and as, of asset investment for East Ayrshire Council, and Shri Moran, who's the head of centre of one of the projects. And uh, I'll, I'll, invite, uh, I'll invite Simon and Shri to, to come and talk. And um, it's a 15 minute Simon told me to make sure to tell you it's 15 minutes for each one. Uh, good morning. Um, thanks, Kevin, for the introduction. Um, Simon Bell from East Ayrshire Council. So just to start, I'd like to just give you a bit of background. Um, towards the end of 2017, uh, East Ayrshire were invited by the Scottish Futures Trust to participate in the development of an 11.40 hours reference design to meet the defined area and cost metrics, which did prove a challenge. 
Um, and at East Ayrshire, we had already identified a significant number of projects as part of our early years expansion programme, ranging from refurbishments to extensions, but also um, including three new build standalone facilities. Having engaged with um, NOR and Anderson Bell Christie Architects, we also developed a third reference design um, using our own in-house team. And to inform those designs, we undertook a wide range of stakeholder events and, and consultations which focused on the key aspects of the Space to Grow design guidance and formed the basis of our brief uh, for the project. The reference design was based on a very simple uh, concept shown in the diagram on the left here. So play zones are within the larger volume with ancillary spaces such as offices, toilets and stores within the service zone. And um, the simplicity of that model allowed it to be flexible and scalable for different capacities and different locations. So the image on the right shows how the concept was then developed into the final design. So we have two playrooms, one for two to three-year-olds and one for three to five-year-olds that open directly to the garden areas. And they're separated but linked by a, a shared flexible cloakroom space, which parents and carers can be invited into at the start and end of the sessions. We also took advantage of the volume and height of the playroom by introducing other upper-level mezzanine areas. And the use of mezzanines was something that we had piloted very successfully in our Muircourt project a few years before. So within the playroom, the, the cylinder helps to define the separate zones for different activities. It provides storage and it's also a quiet area below. It encourages active play with an element of challenge and risk, climbing stairs, and it gives access to a mezzanine area via a bridge with views down and outside. Where these spaces were designed for active play, we have another mezzanine area which is more of a retreat space, a quiet and um, cosy area away from the busy playroom. We've now completed three new build projects which were handed over just prior to COVID lockdown. This is an image of Comores, however, Nether Third and Nether Robertland have the same form and use the same palette of materials. Whilst each of the three projects have different service models and capacities, the reference design was able to be kind of expanded or contracted to meet the individual requirements. And all provide the same range of accommodation and spaces. So we have two open playrooms providing direct external access linked by a flexible cloakroom. And we have two upper level mezzanine areas and a parents room with kitchen facilities at reception encouraging family engagement. During development of the reference design, we had to consider how it would deliver East Ayrshire's model of three sessions during the course of a day. So, on arrival, we have a covered main entrance, providing space for buggies and prams, overlooked by reception and the family room, and allowing views deep into the facility and through to the garden area. From the main entrance, the reception area links with the cloakroom, which is at the heart of the plan and accesses the playrooms and allows parents to engage with the facility when dropping off children. The cloakroom has built-in storage for coats and shoes and leads, leads through to a boot room which provides access to the garden. And the boot room area is a place for messy outdoor wear and also has drying facilities for wet clothes. During the day, the storage can be closed off in the cloakroom, allowing the space to become a play area or even used for dining. This is an image on the right of um, our Nether Third facility, which shows the mezzanine area above with a, a carbonate infill for climbing on. 
Playrooms have been designed to be flexible, allowing zoning of activities with free flow within and also to the garden area. We've included covered sheltered areas which provide a transition from inside to out. And the image on the right shows the Nether Robertlands three to five year old playroom with a cylinder providing storage in quiet areas below. These images of Nether Third's three to five year old playroom showing the large sliding doors giving access to the garden area which links with the internal spaces to create one learning and development environment. It was important to maximise the use of natural materials and introduce as much natural daylight as possible. And as I mentioned earlier, the staircases encourage children to explore and introduce an element of challenge, but they're also just fun places to play. The two to three year old playroom has the same architectural language as the larger playroom but provides space for the same range of experiences on a smaller scale. And this is an image of uh, the two to three year old playroom at Nether Third. Mezzanines provide a variety of different spaces for different activities with visual links to the lower levels. The image at the top shows the mezzanine at Comores with Cargonet over the void and views down to the reception and outside. And the image below is at Nether Third showing the second retreat mezzanine. Dining experience was also another key consideration. The drawing on the left shows a typical arrangement of furniture for learning and play activities with adjacent stores for the storage of dining tables. And on the right, the alternative layout for dining, which was designed for a single sitting scenario at peak times. And it's also worth mentioning that East Ayrshire's um, model for dining was around about uh, constructing a new central catering facility. So the early years facilities only have serving kitchens. As we're all aware, the external garden areas are as important as the internal areas, providing an opportunity for a huge range of experiences. The landscaping designs were developed to include as a wide variety of spaces and activities as possible, such as growing areas, balanced logs, mud kitchens, water and sand play, willow tunnels and quiet story spaces. The images show some of the completed garden areas, however they were taken shortly after handover and planting has still to mature. This is Comores at the top showing covered external space, um, you can see balanced logs and the willow tunnel, and at Nether Robertland a similar range of hard and soft features and components. So at that point I'll stop there and uh, I'll pass to Cherie, Head of Centre for Nether Robertland, who will give you some views on service delivery. Thank you. Thanks, Simon. Hi, everybody. So I'm Shereen Moran, and I'm Head of Centre at Nether Robert and Daily Childhood Centre in East Ayrshire. And I have been asked today to give an operational perspective on what's working well for us um, and what we have faced in terms of challenges. So... Um, so Nether Robertland opened its doors in August 2020. Um, we are registered with the Care Inspectorate as an indoor-outdoor setting and we can have a maximum of 120 children attend the ECC in any one day. We have a current registration at Nether Robertland for 128 children who attend over the course of the week and we offer three models of delivery, so this includes a term time option and full year provision. At the moment, we are currently operating in three cohorts, so that's three smaller groups, and the reason for that is just as a result of the COVID pandemic. 
So how does the design of the new builds um, support and encourage family engagement? Well, at Nether Robertland and in the other two new designs, we have a family room. So within this family room at the moment, we're only using it for team around the child meetings. However, when restrictions ease, this will be a great space for families to be in the centre, meeting up together and becoming really involved in the life of the centre. At Nether Robertland, though, we have been very lucky um, because parents aren't allowed to come into the centre at the moment. However, the way the design is at the rear of the centre, we've got the three large doors, which has facilitated a really high quality drop off and pick up time during the whole of the pandemic, which has been really, really valuable for us um, at Nether Robertland. Um, what doesn't work so well for us is the parents' room is positioned at the front of the building, so anyone walking past can see inside the room. Also, we only have a sliding door separating the parents' room and the staff room. So going forward, when we are making good use of this room, we do need to consider privacy in terms of what's happening inside the room. Moving on to flexible use of space, um, the design really supports children to have increased spaces in which to play and explore within the indoor environment. Um, as I've said, we are operating in three cohorts, so children have restricted space at the moment. However, within this space, they've got space to play alone in small groups and within large groups. Um, you can see here in the right-hand side, I know the photographs are really small, but um, this is our raised areas um, where children can go and they can engage in quieter and calmer activities. Um, in a more relaxed atmosphere. Within these areas, we always do a lot of support and targeted challenge work, which really supports children to reach their full potential. Over on the left-hand side, you can see our pod, which is a great space for children to go if they want to spend time alone or to self-regulate. We also make good use of our other flexible spaces in terms of our cargo net. We have our windowsills, so on the windowsills, the children can go, they can play, they can have time together to chat, um, also enjoying um, story times, and we also use these for displays as well, so that's been really, really positive. Um, what doesn't work so well in terms of our spaces is, um, although we do have the raised areas, which is a great space to have, they're not accessible for all children. So any child with poor mobility will not be able to access this area independently. Also, the notional metric is too tight within the new design. We have had real issues with storage space. Um, although we are very solution-focused round about this, and generally it works okay, but where it is having an impact is if you have a child attending the early childhood centre with significant physical needs and needs additional equip equipment to be stored within the early childhood centre, there isn't any space for this. So this is something that may want to be considered going forward. Um, positive dining experiences, the, these are very well supported within the design of the new builds. At the moment at Nether Robertland, we have 93 children accessing a breakfast and lunch provision. By March, this will have increased to 116. So at the moment, um, mealtimes are calm, sociable, nurturing experiences. Children are very independent, very much self-selecting and really, really benefiting from a high quality experience. A challenge for us, not necessarily a negative, is um, at the moment we are using the majority of our floor space available to set up our tables for lunchtime. So we have 12 tables. By March, we will need 16. So finding a suitable space to place another table is becoming more and more difficult. Um, also, the space available to children during the set up and clearing away from lunchtimes is restricted. So again, this is something we need to be quite solution focused around to make sure that children are still getting that high quality ELC experience. Um, in terms of free flow play, the new designs 
um, supports um, excellent opportunities for children to free flow between the, room, the playrooms and also from the lower level to the, the raised level. Um, children are very independent in their learning and I can confidently say certainly in the three new builds in East Ayrshire, children are very much leading and directing their own learning um, and we've got lots and lots of examples of this happening. A challenge for us again is we, ha we are lucky enough to have 15 different play spaces in Nether Robertland, but that means you need 15 practitioners at all times. So when you've got a staff team of 19, this can be quite difficult. But again, not a negative, just something that we need to take into consideration when we're planning. And lastly, um, outdoor play. Well, what can I say about outdoors? Um, out our outdoor area is absolutely fantastic, as is in the other two um, new builds. Our outdoor area really, really maximises opportunities for children to get that high quality outdoor learning experience. So much so that um, most of our children are outdoors every day. It doesn't matter what the weather's like, they are out and the majority of children are spending huge parts of the day outdoors, which we all want, obviously, for our children. Um, the outdoor environment itself offers excellent opportunities for children to play and explore. And as Simon's already said, um, the landscaping also takes into consideration different textures, surfaces, and we have those spaces. So in terms of promoting children's creativity and curiosity and their independence, but also just giving them that opportunity to explore different types of play and you can see here from the photographs we've got children engaging cooperative play we've got imaginative play we've got learning about sustainability we've got risky play but most importantly children are having fun um, and they're learning through their play um, and the last thing I just want to finish on is in our outdoor area we've been really lucky enough to have our decking area um, that runs the full length of our outdoor area that's fully sheltered so in that extreme weather um, our children can still benefit from that natural environment. Thanks, Shuri. That was 15 minutes. That was very good. Uh, I think in all the excitement earlier, I maybe didn't introduce myself. Sorry about that. My name is Kevin Cooper. I'm a director from NOR Architects, uh, and I'm biased. I'm handing over to my excellent colleague, Lorna, who's going to tell you about our projects for North Lanarkshire. If there's anyone who doesn't know Kevin, just let me know. I'm surprised. <laughs> um, morning, everyone. I'm Lorna Denham from NOR. Um, our colleague from North Lanarkshire Council can't make it today, so um, I'm doing a bit of ad lib at the beginning here, um, I'm afraid. Um, so as um, Jennifer would have outlined, there was a big programme of... Um, for their 1140-hour expansion in North Lanarkshire, which included refurbishments, extensions and new builds. We at NOR were appointed by HUB um, to work with North Lanarkshire to design and deliver nine new build facilities following our work on the SFT exemplar project. We, ma we married our learnings with um, the exemplar project and with a simple headline brief that North Lanarkshire gave us that the buildings were to be designed to be not a wee school but a big house with a children's garden. Other aspects that were important to the design of the new buildings are noted here um, but I'll, I'll pick them up as we work through this presentation. So central to the site selection process, and we were lucky enough to be involved in, sorry, we were lucky enough to be involved in the site selection process with um, North Lanarkshire. 
um, the care inspectorate's comment was that children and families should be able to walk to their, um, safely to their setting. And that was um, quite clear as we were part of that process that the early years centres are all located in the heart of their communities to encourage the families to use the service as well as encourage them to walk their children to nursery. So the new build centres predominantly provide a service for three to five year olds in North Lanarkshire. Two of the larger centres that we've um, designed also include for two to three year olds. And it's worth noting because of the strategic location of each of the buildings, um, the, the buildings are all relatively small in terms of occupancy and one of as a result of that, one of the key drivers of the project was to try and really work with that SFT cost metric, which was quite a challenge. I'm sure our friends at Morgan Sindel will, will tell us that. So as Simon's been outlining, the importance of the relationship between inside and outside in the expansion of early years was key and key to the developing design of the building. Both areas have equal importance in providing learning through play for the children and it's expected the children would spend as much time outside as they do inside. So the blurring of that boundary was really quite important. So as I've already said, as we were designing nine buildings, a tight budget, varying size of setting, it was agreed we had to find a common approach to how to design these buildings. So initially we looked at a simple linear form conducive to timber kit. Um, however, the extent of support accommodation and the nature of those spaces and how they need to work together, it didn't lend itself to a pure linear form of building. Also, the design had to be adaptable to suit every site, the orientation, location, etc. So our initial concept developed to wrap that support accommodation around the play space. So wrapping and doing that, we're adding a layer of protection to the building's design and that um, support space could also extend out and create an external covered area as well. So the design developed using the same simple zoning diagram as before, but with an L shape of support accommodation around the play space. So what that did, um, it improved the functionality wrapping around the play space provided that protection to the central areas and gave us a bit of a public side to the building as well as, well as a private side, improving the functionality and essentially we eliminated um, circulation space. So that is a concept that we were able to um, adapt for each model of the building. As I've said, the buildings are all located in the communities um, and they're all of high areas of high deprivation. Where, so nurture and health and well-being are key components to the delivery of the service in North Lanarkshire. And um, North Lanarkshire wanted the kitchen, cooking, um, dining activity to be at the heart of the playroom. So that's the way the, the design developed. And obviously when we have a smaller model and larger models, then the design had to be adaptable to allow us to, to, um, to have that central activity. So in the larger models, the position of the boot room and laundry is different to the smaller models. And that also allowed us to be able to um, 
separate the play space into different zones for different age groups and to allow to close down over the course of the day for quiet times, etc. And it's worth noting that obviously as the building gets larger, the play, sca play space gets larger, the building becomes more and more efficient. So in the larger models, we were able to meet the area metric. So the section of the buildings are the thing that's consistent across all the models. It's the length of the building that varies to suit the size. Um, it's a timber kit, which allowed economy of scale for structure, allowed off-site manufacture, ease of construction, etc. And um, the largest play space we were able to open up the ceiling to create a volume in the large space. The rest of the building is a simple truss arrangement with smaller um, scale space where ceiling height um, works for the domestic scale. Roof lights are then introduced to bring daylight and ventilation into the depth of the plan. Just running through some of the features of the building, so the entrance zone supports various functions and varying numbers of people across the day. The reception's fully manned. There's a community room, a family room in most of the models. Um, there's a small staff zone, head of centre, office, so that staff have areas to work, relax, hold small meetings and make private calls. The play space itself has a variety and scale of spaces for children to use over the course of their day. And it's open plan in nature, which gives the flexibility to allow um, layouts to change to suit learning activity. So the final two buildings that we're currently on site with are part of a phase two at Cumbernauld and Forgewood. Um, we've made adjustments to the layout of the entrance zone to improve functionality following completion of the first phase of the buildings. Moving externally, the blurring of the boundaries between the play spaces was important to make that seamless transition between play so extending the inside outside and vice versa through a large external covered space. Landscape wise, the chosen framework was to create a quasi natural woodland and the structure of which not only has an early impact, but will mature and improve over time. So within the overall environment, there's a range of play opportunities each having been designed to be as rustic and natural as possible. Perhaps not quite the mud quadmire that we see there, but that's just the point of handover of that building. Externally, the buildings have got a simple palette of materials, similar to what we saw in East Ayrshire, profile metal cladding and timber features reflecting the domestic scale of the building. And these are some of our completed projects. We've got six now fully operational, and two that will be complete within the next month. Thank you. Well, that was only 13 minutes. We're doing well. That's good. Um, so that's two sets of really interesting projects, and we've got a third set of really interesting ones to look at. So this is from Eastern Bartonshire Council. We've got Dominic Thien, the major assets uh, from major assets at Eastern Bartonshire. Clara Gregira, and my apologies, Clara Gregira, it's the writer. <laughs> uh, from Holmes Miller Architects, good architects. Uh, and Leona Stewart, who's from the Early Learning and Child uh, Care Department at East Dumbartonshire Council. Thank you.
Hi there, everybody. My name is Dominic Tian. I'm the project manager for Major Assets and Eastern Buttonshire Council. Um, we, in 2018, uh, commissioned the uh, the bundle of the of three New Year's uh, early years facilities. Sorry, new early years facilities um, to cover the the 250 plus spaces that we required uh, to cover the um, uh, early years. Uh, oh, uh, give me a second, guys. Give me a second. Um, the, the buildings were designed to provide uh, uh, children with uh, exposure to a huge range of experiences from the portal frame that we designed uh, to the, the covered courtyard and the free flow sort of movement from internal to external spaces. Um, focusing on materials and noises and messy play, um, height and senses, the, the open space that we designed um, with the addition of technology to assist um, so that we from uh, touchscreen interactive uh, elements to uh, the, the sort of function in, in terms of controlled access into the building. So the brief um, I've just mentioned, this is an example of the, the feasibility uh, floor plan that we received from Holmes Miller. Um, this kind of shows the the inside outside philosophy that we were trying to to achieve Giffer and compliance was a was a huge element of, of what we were trying to to combat and achieve so the the number of places were determined by um, our, our colleagues in EDC education the the care inspectorate and um, the <laughs> Uh, environmental health and, and other sort of uh, internal colleagues and, and uh, compliance requirements that we had to uh, engage with on a regular basis. Um, the addition of the of the roof space above the playroom, it, it's a it's a very bespoke and interesting way to to approach the the building that we've decided to design. Um, it's very flexible in terms of the children that we have in the facility just now, but also for the future. So our aim was to design something that was innovative, but also something that was a little bit bespoke, but would sit within uh, within our estate and within the sites that, that we've selected. Um, and that was all obviously in, in, in the compliance and in, in line with the Space to Grow guidance um, and etc. So. One of the main, main features that we wanted to sort of develop was the, the ramps to the courtyards, uh, sorry, ramps to the, the, the first floor and a, a slide down to the courtyard, which uh, essentially is a flavour of what we were trying to achieve in terms of the, the movement around the facility. So in terms of deciding how we were going to design the building. One of the key features we needed to get was the information from, from our education colleagues in terms of the uh, the key, I suppose, um, elements that we need to factor into the design. So the toilets were a key aspect. So this really related to direct access to um, WCs from the external play space directly into covered courtyards areas and into the toilet. So having that free flow access to the toilets was, was key. Um, sliding doors from the play space into the covered courtyards, uh, which allowed a, again, a free open up 
a sort of experience for the children. Hand washing facilities in line with care inspectorate and environmental health standards and the free flow movement, which I've mentioned before, from the ground floor up to the ramp, down to through a, uh, a slide and down to the courtyard again, and the addition of parent and nurture rooms. Finally, from, from the design um, point of view, um, in terms of the brief, in energy and sustainability were key aspects as well. So in terms of the, uh, the modern building approach is matched by innovative use of M&E systems. Air source heat pumps are used for, um, for heating the building with underfloor heating and, and, and radiant panels as well. We have the use of efficient sort of electric water tanks, which also supplemented by uh, roof-mounted uh, PV array, and that's me. Thank you very much. Um, so, well, I'm Clara Garriga from uh, Holmes Miller, from the Architects. Um, so when we all, I think, collectively were faced with the 1140 hours program and how we were going to deliver um, these new centers uh, for across the country, we had um, different ways of approaching the projects. In, in this instance, we started by looking at how children actually use the space, how much they move, how much energy they have, um, and how do you cater for, for that? Um, I think it's pro, it's, it's pro um, that anyone that works with children this age could tell you, you know, that um, they need a lot of space, they need to play, they need, they need a lot of activity, they need spaces where they can grow in terms of um, self-awareness, self-development, um, uh, learning about risk, learning about um, uh, motor skills, learn, learning uh, throughout um, their experience. Um, so for that, I think the, there has been different ways of approaching the project. One of them is ring fence minimum um, space standards for the children, which is, uh, has worked quite well in, in, a, in a number of scenarios. But we thought we could do things a little bit different in this project. Okay. So the SFT um, matrix uh, really set up um, a series of, of um, space standards, uh, a number of square meters per, um, per child, depending on the age group, um, cost per square meter, all, all of that, which is quite important to set up uh, strategic problems, programs to get uh, QSs, uh, uh, pricing the projects, get secure funding, and, and get all of that uh, machine moving. Um, but does that actually resonate with educationalists and with children? Probably not, and this is where we started looking at a different model. So this is where the, the big barn really um, emerged, um, really identifying the key spaces that um, were felt that, that needed to be built to, you know, fully insulated, heated spaces, absolutely essential areas. So those were playrooms, uh, were offices, things like that, but uh, quite a lot of uh, surplus accommodation such as circulation or plant or storage, um, cloak areas were identified that, that didn't actually need it, uh, needed to be built to such extent. So compared we compared a notional model of an SFT matrix compliant um, scheme uh, where uh, less than 50% of the accommodation was actually assigned to play space compared to um, the big barn idea, which I'll explain in a minute, uh, where we could provide about 84% of accommodation to children, actually build the space to, um, to almost double the, the accommodation that we had. This was done by building the um, 
disky spaces as insulated areas, and then a big portal frame that covered the whole space and provided um, covered but open to the elements fresh air um, uh, accommodation for the children to, to move around and to run. It was based around the movement of the children, as I said at the beginning, so movement through the day, so arrival and pickup, so security and, and movement through the day it was key to the design, but also progression through the years, you know, two to three-year-olds, so three to five, um, as they move to the center. Sight lines, so um, it's been mentioned, of course, uh, free flow, um, so uh, not just passive supervision for the for the staff, but also for children to be able to see what's happening across the center and to see um, how others uh, uh, are using the space, and also free movement from indoors, uh, those key spaces, to um, the courtyard, to the rooftop, as uh, Dom is mentioning, and to the outdoor natural uh, play areas beyond. So this is a 3D of how these spaces uh, are working. You can see quite condensed those key spaces, uh, spaces I was mentioning earlier, the heated areas, the playrooms and the toilets and admin facilities where virtually no circulation is being built um, as a heated space in, in the building. It's all covered by this portal frame which encapsulates that courtyard and roof area. Internally, the spaces have been designed to be um, with a natural uh, material of uh, uh, selection, uh, integrated services, uh, zones for different activities, for dining, for, for sleeping, etc. And externally, this is a model that um, three centers uh, have been opened in Eastern Bartonshire, but um, done in a way that can be adapted to, to suit this context. So the timber fins create a rhythm and um, an interest to the facade that allows it to be set in, in, in different locations. Um, and finally, um, this was obviously was designed pre-pandemic, um, but the ethos of the extended play areas, natural ventilation, all of that was actually, is actually proven that has been well suited for the world that we live now. Um, and for children to, to be able to move. And this is by, has been picked up in the RIVA uh, publication, Rethink in a Post-Pandemic World. Hi, I'm Leona Stewart I'm from Eastern Barnshire Council and I'm one of the Quality Improvement Officers. So I get to show you the nice bits now where we have now opened the centres. Um, one of our centres has only been open for three months, so we have three, three buildings. So we've got Oakburn and Mulgay, we've got Laird's London Kirk and Tillock, and then Bears End, which opened just in time for 11.40 delivery in August 2021. All these buildings were due to be completed for August 2020, but obviously with the Scottish Government rescinding the um, need to open for 11.40 due to the pandemic, this gave us an opportunity. We had gone out to recruitment early for our early year staff, which was really fortunate because these buildings are large and will take 100 children each. So there's a large amount of staff that had to be appointed to these centres. But given the design factor of these buildings, they were really quite unique and very far removed from anything we really had in Eastern Bartonshire already. I would almost describe these buildings as outdoor nurseries with cosy indoor um, rooms for, for comfort. These are truly free flow buildings where children can flow in and out. The doors are open all day long. So you've got internal sliding doors that open to the courtyard space and then external doors out to the outdoors. So children just naturally free flow throughout these, these areas. So um, this was a wee bit of a different mindset as well for people. 
So it gave us an opportunity to start developing the teams, building up their confidence in working outdoors. We built that into the recruitment drive where we thought about the, the, the types of advert that went out for these posts and also then in the questions that we asked people when they came to interview. So we really had to take all that into account because we had to really move our workforce towards working outdoors. We purchased everybody outdoor clothing so that they were comfortable within these outdoor spaces as well. So I'm going to show you, um, this is the, the two Lairs London Bears Den. And next, we've got a little video. Can I just press next again? Will it play? So this is one of the facilities in, in Mulgai. This is Oakburn. So this gives you a flavour of how things look and gives you more of a feel of walking through it. Um, and as you can see, lots of what has already been described to you with the, that big barn idea with the open access to the outdoors. So really, this is unique. Each of the individual settings is completely different, even although they're built on the same design. Because of where they're sited, they all individually feel very different. And you can see there how, with this fantastic shoot in the middle, which actually makes it really fun and unique, and I think everyone who was involved in building this couldn't wait to the day that it was safe enough to have a shot on the shoot before all the children arrived. But one of, one of the most exciting things for me was when Lair, it was actually when Laird's Land opened and I went in on the, day, the first day that children were in and was to hear a child squealing as they slid down the chute. It was just fantastic because we'd had these empty buildings almost in the process of being built and not being able to see them without children was, we just couldn't imagine how it was going to feel. As soon as children went in to the settings, they just came alive. So you can see there that we've got very um, unique outdoor spaces as well, all very different. Oakburn has some mature grounds that were then further developed by the landscape architecture and lots of natural materials built into them. Bears then has a burn um, running around the back of it, so then they've got, that, uh, they've got that feel of being within the wild. It's almost like being in the middle of the woods, even although you're in a town centre. And the one at Lairdsland has, uh, is built essentially almost in a town centre in its own grounds that were underdeveloped pri uh, previously. So it's got completely new landscape gardens, all with the opportunity to make their own as well. And as you can see, some of the natural um, environments. I think that this photograph here, um, closest to me on the right, you can see the perspective of being outside and looking in. So imagine that from looking at from being in and looking out as well. It shows what Clara was talking about, those lines of sight, that the children have a really good experience of being within the setting, but they're also open to all the elements. So you're getting to see the seasons throughout the year, the times of the day, people walking past. So you know, it gives children a really good perspective of being within their community as well. And there we have some of the areas of the roof space and how they're being used. So they're used for generally, at the moment, they're being used as large spaces for physical activity but there's also the opportunities to create small cozy spaces within them as well and it just allows children to have that freedom of movement throughout the day even although the children are outside all day maybe that opportunity later on in the day when it's darker outside to come inside and spend some time inside. I think one of the things we haven't really shown in the photograph is that there's a, a long ramp which takes you up to the roof floor space so there's lots of opportunities for the exercise and you would definitely get in your 10,000 steps a day if you worked in one of these centres. And then we've got the courtyard space with that fabulous shoot that takes you down 
if you ever get the chance to come out and visit one of these centres, make sure there's no children in so you can get a shot on the shoot. But don't forget to scream because it's definitely worth it. So you can see, again, you can see directly to the outside. So it's linking all those areas together so that the areas feel as though there's a smooth transition between them. And some of the internal spaces as well and the, the front of the building. And in keeping with the colour palette, with keeping that natural colour palette, the, the way the, the centres have been developed, we've kept to that ethos. These spaces are being used for children who attend all day with that extended day provision now. So we want to make them feel calm spaces. There's creative zones, there's physical areas, um, there's areas for children to rest um, and promote the, the pace of the day for them within that also. And as you can see, some more of that natural colour palette being enhanced. There's also an area for children to have nurturing lunches, which are centred around an open plan serving kitchen, and that gives that kind of homely feel. Although the centres are built for 100 children at a time, not all children are going to sit and have their lunch together at the same time. So there's, you know, there's kind of a rolling lunch is, is being um, embraced within most of the centres now, and someone working within the kitchen all day and serving those lunches for them gives that, that feeling of them being at home creating um, experiences where they can develop their independence skills, their life skills, and really just um, fun function in a, in a positive way. And some of the staff and the children really embracing and enhancing their new settings. As you can see, I don't think anyone looks miserable. I think they all look quite happy, smiles on their faces. And like I said, these centres are really new, so development is still to happen, although they, they all look fantastic as they are, but um, I look forward to seeing how they, how they further develop. They've brought really good attention to early years within Eastern Bartonshire. They're all filling up really well. The spaces that we, we thought we need, needed, we do need, so they've been a, a, had a really positive impact into our setting, uh, to Eastern Bartonshire. But we're just keen now that we're able to share that experience with everyone else, so fingers crossed soon we'll be able to start inviting people in. And that's us, thank you very much. Thanks, Lorna. That, that, that was lovely. All good buildings should have a slide, I think, definitely. Um, so hopefully you can see that there's a real diversity of work being done, and that's just, that's just three of the local authorities. There's a lot more work to see in lots of uh, different authorities across Scotland. Um, I'd like to say it was the great chairmanship that, that kept us on time, but in fact, I think everyone did really well. So we do, we do actually have sort of 10 minutes for some questions if anyone's anyone wants to be bold and ask a question? Yes. I think that was a question about the big sliding doors, yeah? and the capability of children being able to, to use them. Okay, so within, um, within the ones that we have in Eastern Bartonshire, they are big, heavy sliding doors, but the doors are open all day long. The, the rooms are warm enough. There's sufficient enough heat within the rooms that those doors can remain open. There's, uh, there's a, a, a locking handle, but there is then a push effect to the sliding door. So, yeah, they can be pushed. They're, they're easy enough to glide open, but they're... Um, 
I suppose there's enough tension in the door for them not to be at risk of children pushing them too fast and maybe hurting themselves with them. But the, the doors the doors remain open whilst, whilst the children are in the building. That's the whole idea of that free flow. It's actually true free flow, not let's close over the doors for a while and keep the heat in. It is actually warm enough within the centre to have those doors open. And we're in November, so I think we should be okay. Anyone else? Yeah, I think, I think that was a, a sort of technical question again about uh, the slight conflict between the free flow of space and the sort of technical insulation requirements of the building and the low carbon elements of the building and, and how you sort of, you know, I mean, good architects just have to design holistically, don't they? So, uh, that's, that's a fair question. And I think when considering free flow is, is one that is always comes up, you know, the... Um, um, could you leave the, the doors open, but then, you know, obviously the, the heat escapes. Um, in this center, because we absolutely kept the heated areas to, to the minimum, we've reserved or, or made sure that um, you weren't really wasting energy and, and assets on heating a whole, a whole building in large, vast spaces, but just the key areas. So for that, I think the centers can keep quite warm. And even underneath the barn, even though there is a fresh air, it's a, it's a mesh, you know, mesh open to the, to the wind and a bit of the rain. It does keep some of the heat in as well, so that's why they, they can keep the doors open, you know, pretty much throughout the whole day. Yeah, I think it was Billy. Yeah, ventilation is key, of course. I think as Billy Connolly said, you just need the right clothes to, you know, I mean, it's nice that I think you've got all these, you know, ex external clothes for the kids in that quasi-external space as well, which seems good. I think the children do come dressed for nursery appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, the families appreciate that these are naturally outdoor settings, but they do have these comfortable spaces. But absolutely, um, Clara, as you said as well, that ventilation is really key just now, um, particularly in, in, in light of COVID. And, and had we designed a COVID building, this would have been it, essentially, because there is ventilation throughout. So um, ch children are very comfortable in their spaces, but they will put on clothing to be out in the courtyard space or externally as well. Can I, can I maybe ask a question to all, all three local authorities? Um, I mean, there's clearly, it appears, lots of you know, good positive outcomes that have come from the project, which, which is great. great. Um, but are there any kind of unexpected benefits or positive things that have come out that you maybe sort of didn't expect during the design process? You know, just curious. Um, Simon, anything from you? Um, or, well, while you're thinking, well, the folk with the microphones will see if anyone's got any thoughts on that. I mean, it looks like there was a lot of stuff that's worked exactly as you thought and it's worked really well but um, quite a, in my experience often you do something and maybe it, it sort of works in a different way but actually sometimes even better than you than you thought Sorry, no, I think the main one is probably this, you know, the pandemic and, and how mm. the centres have performed yeah. in that respect and I think we've picked up on, on it yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and for me also what I would say is I, I said to Clara the other day I, I really struggled to read flat plans you know mm. that that's mm. a, a difficult concept for me so being part of the project throughout and seeing these plans but then actually walking into the building and seeing them come to life I think that that then gave me the wow factor. I didn't see the wow factor on paper, but as soon as I walked into the building, so that was unexpected for me, I suppose. Yeah, yeah lovely to have different scales of 
of space even for small small kids. I think. Yeah. Dimensional aspect of the playroom, and we also I said we had um, used a, a kind of upper level in a project a few years before, but we really kind of exploited it, and I think that came as a surprise just how um, positive it was, and, and you know what a great sort of range of spaces it was for the for the kids to explore and, and um, you know play in that kind of three dimensional context. So that's just one aspect. Well, we're doing a primary school for North Lanarkshire and putting a slide in to the next one. Let's go. <laughs> um, anyone else? Any any questions? No? Oh, look at all you talented, excited people. You must have a question, Gavin. I think that's maybe a wee paper for Mr. Long at the SFT if he's if he's around. Um, yeah, so I think that was more just a kind of observation on what we had talked about before um, about exploring the different ways that we could do that. I remember looking, uh, visiting a school in London with Stephen Heppel and he had done a lot of conversion work um, on an existing Victorian building and used these flaps and things and actually there's a very low-tech and a you know, um, you know, cost-effective way of dealing with that issue in a kind of old context. I think what what Easton Martin should have done with that kind of interstitial space on a kind of quite a grand scale seems to work very well. So, um, but it, there is a, as quite often I find in, in in low carbon, low energy projects, which we've all got to do at the moment, how you how you sort of balance that with connections between inside and out, free flow of space, proportion of windows, there's a whole range of things that they get impacted by. Actually, have you been to Maidenhill Primary School? The BDP did, which is a lovely building. It's actually got a big a, a kid flapping it, which I thought was good fun. But steal that idea. Okay, we're, we've just got another couple of minutes left. If anyone's got any final questions, Lynn. Should have got myself a rolling microphone. This wasn't in the job description, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> I think the question there is that there's obviously lots of lovely activities. Uh, in the buildings, particularly the ones with, with two storeys. Uh, a lot of fun for kids, but for those kids who have maybe movement difficulties or, or whatever, are there other facilities within the buildings that, I mean, how do the councils address those issues and what other factors are in it? Well, for Eastern Barnsley Council, we've got the, uh, the ramp that goes up to the first floor, um, which uh, isn't DDA compliant, so the, um, the children can't access on their own but they're able to access with the um, ability of, of supervision. Um, and then obviously on the first floor we have uh, a fire stair that goes down to the, the, the ground floor which has um, the, uh, the fire uh, escape, uh, what's it called, the uh, fire, evacuation fire, chair. fire evacuation chair. Thank you very much, Leanna. Um, so, in terms of the, the accessibility for people or children with mobility issues, supervision is, is there to allow that. Um, and in terms of the play facilities? In terms of the play facilities, yeah. yeah. So um, it's, it's trying not to exclude anyone. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah the two, two of our centres do currently have children with um, mobility issues and who have walking aids and they are able to access all areas within the nursery. So um, it hasn't been an issue because they don't have to climb stairs um, they could be supported into the chute as well to, to slide down to, so yeah. Cool. Okay, I think uh, the timing's worked out very well. Well done, everybody. That, that was great. Um, and uh, just as a 
just as a final point for me, I kind of invite you to have a look at the variety of projects there. And I think all of us involved in education buildings in Scotland should be proud of the, the kind of sheer diversity and creativity into the different ways of solving lots of similar problems. I, I personally think it's terrific. So thanks very much for coming. Great.